The following program contains mature content matter. Listener discretion is advised. Since the dawn of time, the world has been plagued by demons and monsters, cloaked by the night and shadows. However, humanity found out about these creatures and sent out brave men and women to defend their homelands. These are the tales of the Monster Hunters. Our episode begins on an early evening, just inside Spring Falls, Ontario. As a red Subaru SUV drives along Concession Road 6, driven by Bautista. Having gotten turned around at the fork in the road a mile back, Bautista is driving through the middle of nowhere along an unlit road, with only the lights on the SUV to light the path ahead. Cursing his luck, Bautista sees a small cottage up ahead off the road. He speeds up toward the driveway and turns into it, driving down an unlit road leading closer to the cottage until he brings his vehicle to a stop. To his right is the small cottage and just ahead of him is a still, with a chicken coop and a barn beyond it. Bautista gets out of the SUV and looks around him, before he walks toward the side door, when it suddenly springs open. He quickly raises his arms, as Jebediah Hill is standing there, aiming his shotgun at him. Who in the hell is you? Mi amigo, I am Bautista. Hmm, one of them there fancy European accidents you got going there, huh? Well, just let me know what tarnations you're doing here, fancy pants. Mi amigo, estoy perdido. What? Excuse me, but do I look like I can speak Europeans? Now go ahead and speak in God's plain old English before I shoot it out of you. Yes, amigo. Sorry. I am lost. <laughs> well, now you know how I feels. At that moment, Jethro walks up behind his brother. What's going on, Jebs? Jethro now realizes Jeb is aiming his shotgun at Bautista. Who's that? Well, says his name is Bautista or something like that. Oh, he's European. Well, look at you. Why are you aiming that gun at him? I was trying to figure out why he's here. I told you why I'm here, amigo. I mean, my friend. I am lost. You sure you mean from that this satellite company? Why would I be from the satellite company? I'll be asking the questions around here, Mr. Fancy Pants. Jib, I don't think he's from the satellite companies. What did I tell you about thinking? Huh, dummy? But before Jeb looks back to Bautista, he has shot forward and taken the shotgun out of Jeb's hands. You sees what happens when you think, dummy? Please, mister, don't shoot us. It was his idea to install that satellite dish illegally. Why, you snake? How could you just sell me up the river like that? I don't want to go to jail, Jeb. Well, and after that, it won't be you going to jail, stupid. It'll be me. Sorry, Jeb. Why, I'm too pretty to go to jail. You knew what the fancy folk in prison do to the likes of me. Por que, Dios mío? I am not from the satellite company. No one is going to jail. Batista hands Jeb his shotgun back. Huh? Then why is you here? I told you. I am lost. So what does you want from me? I need to know how to get back to the highway. Oh, we don't know how to get to the highway, mister. Why not? Because we never use it. Why don't you ever live here? Because we never go into them big cities, that's why. Excelente. So I am stuck in the middle of... Just where am I? 
This in here is Spring Falls, muchachi. Just why were you out there, mister? I was trailing someone that led me out here, but they managed to give me the slip back at the fork in the road. You some kind of cops or something? No, mi amigo. Well, if you ain't the police, why was you trailing this person? I'm afraid if I tell you, you will think I am crazy. Son, if we ain't told you about all the crazy things and stuff that we's hunted over the years, you would have called us, um, how do you say it again, uh, loco. Did you say hunted? Jethro, you see? I told you he'd think we was crazy. You are both hunters? Well, maybe. Que mundo tan pequeño. Yo también soy un cazador. Both brothers look at Bautista, confused. My friends, I am a hunter too. Oh, well, well, of course, you're a hunter too. Yes, if you do not believe me, I will show you my mark. Bautista begins to roll up the side of his shirt. Whoa, whoa, slow down there, peep show. What is you, some kind of pervert? I am showing you my mark to prove you that I am a hunter. Why would you be marked? What do you mean? Are you too not marked? What in the hell is he talking about, Jethro? Maybe he means marked like Lily Ann's son. You know, the one who wants the stutters. Mister, where did you get off insinuating, insimulating, whatever the hell you call that me and my brother here has some kinds of birth defects? No, amigo. People who are born with this mark means that they have been marked to hunt. Bautista lifts up his shirt and shows the brothers the hunter's mark on the left side of his body. Huh? That there means that you're supposed to go around or whoever's born with that mark supposed to go around and hunt them their monsters? What? Correct. How did you two learn about the monsters? Our great, great, great granddad first encountered these monsters and he began to keep a journals of all the monsters he had hunted and how he kills them. I understand, mis amigos. So the burden of the hunt has been passed down from generation to generation. Burden? Burden? Uh-uh. It ain't no burden. Me and Jethro here loves to hunt anything. Animals, monsters, you name it. Do you know how you get chosen to hunt? No one knows, mi amigo. Any of you two just think it's some kind of weird-looking birthmark? Trust me, it is not just a birthmark. Just who was it that you was tailing? A woman. Always a woman, ain't it? This is not what you think, Jeb. This woman I was trailing, her name is Elena. And she works for Dicamento. Dicam what? I think he said Decimento, Jeb. Yes, that is correct, Yetro. Have you heard of them? Isn't there some type of pharmacist or something? Yes, they are a pharmaceutical company. Hold on! How in the hell would you know anything about that there? Huh, Jethro? Remember when Scrooge refurbished his living rooms? Yes, sir. Him and his cousins found all that furniture out back next to the dumpster that was behind the Dissimento. <laughs> well, no wonder that couch smelled like medicine. Get my cold and all. Increíble. Dicamento has an office around here? No. There's, there, their office is in Pleasant Falls. And just how far is this Pleasant Falls? Well, as the crow flies north, it's about, say, 20 minutes down the road that there way. So that is where she was off to in such a hurry. Listen, my fifth sense is telling me here that that woman and that pharmaceutical company that you's looking for is up to no good. Correcto, Jeb. Well, gesundheit. But what has the cemento done that you're after this woman's? Bautista lets out a great sigh and then brings Jeb and Jethro up to speed on everything. 
Well, Great Caesar's Gorge. It ain't bad enough that them there has this world crawling over with monsters. All we need is for this pharmaceutical company to go out and create their own. Sadly, yes. Jim, that would explain how some of the monsters we killed that melted right in front of us. So it would, little brother. Yes, and so it would. By now, Elena has reached the Camento and let them know about Rhonda and that she has been taken out. I would not be surprised if she isn't already gone. Well, only one way is to find out. What are you saying? Well, we goes down there and sees for ourselves, correct? Out of the question, we don't know what type of security they have there. Mister, I wasn't asking for you's permission. If them there my animals is creating monsters and letting them loose, the only way for us to stop them then is for us to go in there, guns are blasting. But we are few and they could be many. Well, if you don't have it in you, then it's just going to be me and Jethro going in there. Yep, esto es una mala idea. Por favor, reconsidéralo. Unless you just told us some kind of plan before we goes in there, I don't want to hear it. Batista watches as Jeb walks toward the still, opens the door, and goes inside. Just as Jethro walks out of the cottage with two brown side bags, Jeb's shotgun and his sawed-off shotgun. Jethro, you seem more reasonable than your local brother. You must call this off. I'm sorry, mister. Once Jeb sets his mind to something up, he ain't gonna change it. Jeb walks out of the still, carrying a small cooler full of shine. Well, alrighty then there, Jethro. I got us 15 jars of primo moonshine. They's all sealed up and ready to drink. You don't know what you could be walking into, amigo. Only one way to find out there, my Australian amigo. Batista watches as Jeb and Jethro begin to load their gear into the back of their red Dodge pickup truck. He then looks at Jeb as he walks back toward him and stops. Let me just ask you one question there, Del Taco. After you've been tracking this here woman all the way back there to that pharmaceutical company, as you stated, what was you gonna do once you finds out that she was there? Was you just gonna sit on your hands or was you gonna go in there and investigate? <sighs> go in and look around the place. Well, minus the violence and such, what's the difference that myself and Jethro over here was gonna do and what you were intending to do? Hmm? I don't know, my friend. Well then, you know what? You can just sit there on your hands thinking about what could have been, what should have been, and what you could have done there at that pharmaceutical place, or jump in the back of the truck here with me here in Turkey Neck, and we'll go in there guns a-blasting. Blow them there turkeys right up to hell. Bautista watches as Jeb walks off and groans, and then follows after him and gets into their pickup truck. Jethro, scooch over close to me, but not too close. Bautista gets into the truck as Jethro slides over to the middle of the bucket seat. And then Jeb, on the fourth attempt, fires the old Dodge up. Jeb then swings her around and drives down the long driveway, turns onto Concession Road 6, and heads east towards Pleasant Falls. You do realize your check engine light is on, amigo? Oh, that? Don't let that concern you. That's been on since the beast here crossed over two million miles a while back. It's nothing to concern yourself with. How many kilometers does she have now? I'm not too sure that the odometer kind of broke down after it hit over one million miles. After about 25 minutes of back road driving, they enter the city limits of Pleasant Falls. 
Continue east to Fulton Street, beginning to slow as they see DiComento coming up on their right side of the empty street where all the businesses had closed shop for the night. Bautista is surprised to see that the building is only one story high, but does not see the black navigator that they had been trailing. Bautista urges Jeb to drive to the back of the building. As Jeb parks not far from the building, Bautista sees the only door in the rear of the building, leading in and out, along with the dumpster that Jethro had spoken of. Doesn't you need a gun? Bautista turns to look at Jeb, who is now holding out a large caliber gun. Gracias. Well, you problem. That there's French for no problemo. The three of them walk slowly towards the back door, and then stop as Bautista begins to look up and down that door. Well, what are you doing? I'm looking to see if there is anything to indicate an alarm may be in place, which would not surprise me if there was. Well, then, only way to find out. Jeb fires at the door handle, leaving a big hole where the handle once was. Nope, no alarm. Bautista watches as Jeb opens the door and then follows Jethro inside. Bautista, still surprised by there being no alarm, follows in behind, realizing that they are now in a back room. Jethro turns the flashlight on and they make a startling revelation. This room is completely empty. The plot thickens. Bautista follows behind Jeb and Jethro as they walk out into a small hall. Looking at the offices on the left and the right, doors wide open, all empty. These offices are all empty. They walk towards the end of the small hall and out into the main reception area, and they see it to be devoid of furniture as well. This whole place is empty. What gives it away, sizzle chest? But why would Elena come all the way here to an empty building? Well, and I'd ask her, but she sure ain't present at the moment. Suddenly, they hear what sounds like an intercom come on from somewhere inside the reception area. Why indeed, Batista? Donde estas? Oh, I'm close. But not so close that you'll ever find me. Enough of this, Elena. Sooner or later, the Camento will make a mistake, and I will be there to bring them down. Oh, do you know how many hunters have tried? And how many have failed? A lot. <laughs> oh, this is going to be too easy. What's you plan on doing, lady? From where you're looking at us, I'm sure you can notice that this place here is empty. Did you check the basement? Basement? <laughs> Where else do you think we did our experiments? That locked door in the back room we never tried to open. If in the basement's locked, how she expect for them to get out here? Oh, once a specimen B tears you to shreds, you will no longer be a problem, Bautista. But if by some fluke you are able to survive, the countdown has already begun. Countdown? Yes. It was triggered counting down from five minutes the moment Specimen B broke through that door. Oh, win or lose, the whole place goes up, along with all the evidence. Suddenly, heavy footsteps can now be heard coming their way. When they see emerging from the hall what was once a Kodiak, standing there now on its uprights, roaring at them. What did they do to that Kodiak, Jeb? The bear in question is standing well over ten feet. Its once furry skin now scaly and a dull mustard yellow. Its pawed hand, which once had five fingers, now has seven digits, each with large, sharp talons. Its nose, which once looked like a honeycomb, now replaced with two air holes. Its teeth now longer and sharper, with red liquid oozing down from them. 
great Caesar's whore! Move now. Bautista takes aim at specimen B and fires at it. But the bullet just bounces off its scaly hide. Did that bullet just bounce off of it? Its hide is too thick for small bullets. Jeb fires off around its specimen B. But the shotgun blast does nothing to deter the large Kodiak as it snarls and charges at Jeb. He barely avoids its attack. Maybe if we all fired at it at the same time, we may have better luck. But their gunfire does little to nothing to the angry Kodiak who stands up and roars at them. This is hopeless! Bullets can't stop it! Sitting in the back seat of the park navigator, Elena watches from the tablet on her lap and then looks at the timer which is showing a clock at three minutes. This is pointless, mis amigos. Unless you got any more powerful ammunition in your bags, this monster is going to tear us apart. Great day in the morning! Jethro, pass me the bear round! What about them? Egypt, they should be in your bag! Get them out quickly, pass them over! Specimen B drops to all fours and charges at the three as they sidestep to evade its path. Bautista then fires two futile rounds at it as it goes by them. Did you find the rounds? Uh-oh. Uh-oh's what? Jeb, I took the wrong bag. This is the food bag we packed for tomorrow's fishing trips. The Kodiak turns and roars and begins to come toward them again. Jethro, you simpleton genius, you! Huh? Check, check, is there any honey in that there bag? Of course there is, Jeb. You know how much I like honeys on my baloney. What are you thinking, amigo? Grab that there honey and throw it towards the monster! But it's our last jar of honey! Jeez! Do it or I'll toss you towards that fucking thing! Dejected, Jethro reaches into the brown side bag. He takes the cap off and then throws the open jar towards the approaching Kodiak, who suddenly stops and looks down at the open jar and begins to sniff it. The Kodiak looks back at the three, then pours the open jar towards it, dropping down to its belly, drawing the jar towards its face beginning to lick the inside of the jar. I don't believe this. Times to go, S.A. Bautista follows after the brothers while Elena watches on in surprise as the timer counts down from five to four, three, two, one. And then the small building blows up, lighting up the night sky. Shazam! I can't believe that worked, amigo. Well, just like Winnie the Pooh, any kinds of bear just loves their honey, no matter how much messed up they may be. Necesitamos irnos ahora. If that sounds like you're trying to tell us that we have to get the hell out of here, well, jefe, I agree with you. The three walk towards the old dodge, getting inside it, still looking out at the burning building. After the fifth attempt, the dodge comes to life, and they begin to drive down the small driveway that they pulled into and then turn back onto the main road and stop. Why are you stopping? That unholy she-bitch might be around. Should we stop and look for her? No, she left the moment the building went up. But unknown to Bautista, Elena is still parked nearby, looking at the static on the screen of her tablet. She closes the window and then gets on her phone and dials out, waiting patiently as the line rings. The Pleasant Falls facility is burnt along with all evidence that was inside. I agree, Specimen B did show some strong military applications. I will be on the next flight back to Buenos Aires. No, no one was wise to its true nature. Having arrived back to their home, 
Jeb is sitting on the open tailgate with a mason jar of shine in his hand. Well, and that was a hoop. What are you up to now there, S.A.? I'm going to the airport and catch a plane to Argentina. What for? Because that is where Elena will go. Well, why don't you just hang around here for a little bit longer? The three of us, you know, minus Jethro, we make a pretty good team. I appreciate the offer, Jeb, mi amigo. But right now, I must continue my fight against Dicamento. Are you sure this is a fight or a vendetta? Because us hills sure do know a thing or two about vendettas. And this here, to me, smells just like one. Bautista smiles and then sticks his hand out to Jeb. Goodbye, Jeb. Jeb shakes Bautista's hand and then watches as he shakes Jethro's hand. Then walks towards his SUV and gets in. Think he'll be all right, Jeb? I ain't sure, Jethro. But you know as I know, vendettas, they shit don't end well. Our second story begins early afternoon inside the Pizza Guy's Pizzeria. Bruno is sitting in the front of house, unhappily looking at the results on his phone from the previous evening's races from Historia Downs. What are you doing? I'm touching myself. What's it look like I'm doing? It looks as if you're not sweeping the floor. Just like I fucking asked you to. Don't blame me for that. Blame the fucking horse from last night. Wait, blame the horse? Blame the horse? What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about the five horse in the fifth race. If the stupid horse wins, I'm not here to hear you breaking my chops about sweeping the floor. You're gambling again? It's only gambling if you lose, dummy. That doesn't even make sense. And how the hell did you go gambling last night anyway? You told me you were broke yesterday. Uh, hey Bruno, when do you think you'll be able to pay me back the 50 that I loaned you for the track last night? Of course. At that moment, the door opens and Scarlet walks with another woman who is slightly taller than her with strawberry blonde hair. They walk in to see Bruno and Pat arguing. Oh, uh, sorry, did, did we come at a bad time? Guys. But they didn't stop arguing as Reggie shakes his head. Guys! Both stop arguing. Pat looks at Scarlet while Bruno does not give her or her friend a second look and storms off towards the kitchen. Hi, Scarlet. What were you and your brother arguing about? How much time do you have? Pat looks at Scarlet's friend who is looking off towards the kitchen. So, Scarlet, who's your friend? Reggie. Pat. This is Christy. The other one is Bruno. Well, nice to meet you. What brings you guys in? Lunch. What can we get for you? Hmm. Well... Are your pens at Otto good? Well, if you ask my brother, he's going to tell you he makes the best ones in the city. I guess I'll have one then. Please and thank you. Oh, make that two. Two panzos coming up. Both Pat and Reggie walk off to the kitchen as Christy and Scarlett take a seat. Those are some, hmm, interesting friends you've got, Scarlett. Interesting. That is not the word I would use to describe them. In the kitchen, Pat and Reggie see Bruno looking down at his phone that is on top of the freezer. What are you doing? I'm handicapping the sixth race at Astoria Downs. Y you're thinking of going back to the track again? Not thinking. Going. Didn't you hear me tell you I'm handicapping a race? Why do you even gamble? You know you're terrible at it. What are you talking about? I'm a great gambler. You've seen me play poker. I have. And you suck at that, and you're a terrible loser. I'm not a bad loser. Oh, no. The last time we played, we played with Naveen. And after he beat you in the last hand, he ended up calling his mother and asked her why she even had him. Well, someone had to. Guy's a fucking cheat. See? Bad loser. 
Uh, guys, can we start Christy and Scarlet's order? Who the hell is Christy? Scarlet's friend? Oh. See? And you become compulsive when you gamble. I am not compulsive. Oh, yes, you are. I told you Scarlet brought a friend, and you didn't even ask me if she was cute or not. Because I'm trying to handicap a race. Just tell me, Mr. Ed, how do you plan to go back over to the track if you have no money? Reggie will loan me the money. I will? Sure. You want your 50 back, right? <sighs> yes. So you loan me 150. I give you back 50, and voila, you have back the 50 you gave me from last night. Oh, gee, thanks, Bruno. Let me go get my wallet. Reggie walks past the two while Pat looks on in disbelief. See? Problem solved. And what are you going to do when you lose this hundred? How are you going to be able to pay him back? Simple. I have him loan me two hundred. Then I give him a hundred dollars and tell him that's the hundred I owe him. As dysfunctional as they are, they do make the best pizza in this city. I bet. Wait. What, what was that? What are you doing? Huh? What do you mean? You keep looking towards the kitchen door. So? Oh, no. Oh, no what? Please don't tell me you're waiting for Bruno to walk out of that kitchen. So what if I am, Scarlet? Christy, you you do not want to get involved with him. Why? Do you like him? Oh, God. Good God, no. Then I don't see what the problem is, Scarlet. He's hot. Oh, I, I think I've lost my appetite. At that moment, to Christy's disappointment, Pat and Reggie emerge from the kitchen, each bringing a panzerato. Here you go, Scarlet. And Christy, here's yours. If any of you need anything else, we'll be over there wiping down tables. Just let us know. Oh, sorry, love. I guess Bruno's not coming back out. Then I will just have to go to him. To Scarlet's surprise, Christy gets up and begins to walk towards the kitchen. What's she doing? She can't go back there. She's going to go see Bruno, isn't she? Yep. Of course. In the kitchen, Bruno is still handicapping races when Christy walks in. Pat, just leave me the fuck alone. I'm going to the track and that's it. Pat? Ha. I'm not Pat. Bruno turns and sees Christy standing there. Christy, right? Yep. The one and only. Why are you back here? I'm a little busy. Yeah, I can see that. Handicapping a horse race? Did me telling you give it away? <laughs> May I? Sure. Christy picks up his phone and looks over the horses in the race. So who do you like in this race? Serious? Uh, yeah. Who do you like? The four horse. Well, there's your problem. Why is that? He likes to run in the mud. The track is dry today. Really? Then who do you propose? If I was Betty Eden, I'd take the two horse. The two is paying some long odds. He has him placed in the top three in weeks. But he has a new jockey today. Who knows? Hmm. And you'd bet on him? <sighs> I would. But sadly, I have no one to take me to the track and do that. This is your lucky day, Christy. Your horse is coming. So, how's your panto? Mmm. So good. Thank you. Did you at least try to warn Christy about Bruno? I did. And? Trust me, Christy. This will be the most fun you've had in a long time. And if we, I mean you, win, it will be all that more rewarding. Obviously she didn't listen. What's going on? Oh my god, Scarlet. The best news ever. Bruno is taking me to the track. He is? Don't wait up. All three watch as the two walk towards the door and exit the pizzeria. Well, they make a cute couple. You're right, Reggie. And to think, Scarlet is to thank for that. I think I've lost my appetite. Scarlet now gets up and walks off towards the door as Pat and Reggie look on. Why does Bruno leave with the girl while we get stuck working? Because we're the horse's ass.
Tales of the Monster Hunters. Created by Antonio and Enzo Ferrara. This issue was voiced by Enzo Ferrara as Jeb and Pat. Antonio Ferrara as Bruno. Roberta Jackson as Elena. Raven Batonio as Christy. Ashley Tyler as Scarlett. Paul Cairns as Reggie. Pablo Lopez as Bautista. And Paul Siliphant as Jethro. Narrated by Sage Crossley and Alan Chambers. Editing and music by Alexander Ferrara. Directed and produced by Antonio and Enzo Ferrara. Cover art by Enzo Ferrara. Written by Antonio Ferrara. Creative consultant Paul Cairns. Coming on Monday, October 23, 2023. Tales of the Monster Hunters Podcast, Volume 2, Issue 4. Night at the Oasis. This presentation of Tales of the Monster Hunters Podcast has been brought to you by Giant Monster Productions. Copyright 2023. To contact Giant Monster Productions, email them at giantmonsterprod at hotmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Giant Monster Pro, Instagram at Tales of the Monster Hunters, and on Facebook and YouTube. If you have enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe, like, and favorite so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening.